Welcome to Beyond Grit, the podcast that seeks to create and foster a community of people who want to learn, develop, and employ the 10 powerful practices to gain a high-performance edge. Whether you're an athlete, a parent, a coach, or just someone looking to improve yourself, the Beyond Grit podcast shows you step-by-step how to reach your peak potential. The Beyond Grit podcast is based on the book Beyond Grit, written by Sandra Kampoff, PhD, founder, and CEO of Mentally Strong Consulting, and a professor at Minnesota State University, Mankato. Sindra, a keynote speaker and entrepreneur, is also a certified mental performance coach for professional athletes, executives, and championship teams from around the nation, including the NFL's Minnesota Vikings. Sindra's co-host is Tim McNiff, Emmy Award-winning news and sports journalist, strategic communications consultant, and storyteller for the National Sports Center. This is the Beyond Grit Podcast. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Beyond Grit Podcast, episode 19. I am Tim McNiff, alongside PhD Cinder Kampoff, high-performance coach, founder, and director at the Center for Sport and Performance Psychology, and, of course, esteemed professor at Minnesota State University, Mankato. Hello, Dr. Kampoff. How are you on this brilliant Saturday morning? Uh, I'm doing awesome. I'm looking forward to a fun weekend. How about you? How are you doing? I'm well. What do you got on the on the docket this weekend? We got basketball tournaments tomorrow, and it's always fun. And you may have some snow to deal with. And as we record this, that we're talking about the potential of about a half a foot of uh, snow, or maybe more, coming into the Twin Cities metro area. And it's supposed to happen overnight tonight. What time are the boys' games tomorrow? Uh. <laughs> Oh, uh, it must have been a cue. They just came into the room. <laughs> I can hear them giggling. I know. I was like, oh, guys, uh, this is what happens when it's like live, right? No, that's great. Go. Yeah, that, yeah, that's real life. I know. That is real life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we might be dealing with some snow when we when we drive there tomorrow. But well, I hope that's not hey, the case. And control the controllables. That's right. That's right. Respond, not react. Exactly. And that was chapter 18, respond, not react. And, and I, I can't think of another chapter where I have had more, uh, maybe the other one was, um, this happens for me, not to me, yeah. uh, but respond, not react. I choose to respond. And you know where I'm using this the most, don't you? Uh, with your family? When I'm behind the wheel of the car. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is a must. And I can't wait till we oh. practice number five when we actually talk about control the controllables, which is next, uh, because I've used that when I've been driving a lot. I can't wait because it's, so things would happen. And I would just say to myself, almost like in a joking manner, I choose to respond. Yes, it's I love there. it, Tim. <laughs> the people driving on the road appreciate it as well. <laughs> I, I hope so. They don't know, but I am choosing to respond and not react. And it, it is, it, and I'm waiting for it. It's, and I know it's going to be empowering, but right now it really helps me to disengage from unhealthy practices. Absolutely. I think it's just like noticing what's happening in your body and then reminding yourself you have a choice on what you're going to say or what you're going to do. Um, and even your body reactions, you know, in terms of your facial expressions or your body language, you have a choice. And 100%. I mean, I feel these things and I still feel like even that feeling in my stomach and I keep telling myself, this is the right path. You know, just, just relax and just do this. 
and in a couple of minutes, it's like, you know, it was nothing anyway, but I'm so Absolutely. conditioned from years and years and years of reacting yeah. a different way. You are definitely teaching an old dog new tricks, Dr. <laughs> well, I appreciate that you're just being honest here because everybody else who's listening is, uh, is learning like as you go through it as well. Yeah, and you said, you know, not with your family, I hope. And I think, yeah, there has been that also. I mean, I, I have not had another episode like I did uh, before last week, and I'm definitely going to try to avoid that. I haven't had anything, a stimulus to send me into that sort of uh, an area recently, but I hope that when it does happen that I will respond and not react. Nice. Nice. Awesome. I really like today's topic, Tim, because I feel like um, people don't often think about their best very often, and what I find is like our natural tendency is to like, um, really think about times we haven't done well or we haven't performed well up to our standards. And so I like this topic that we're talking about today. I do too, because you really dragged me all over the map in terms of like my life uh, line, because you made me think of different things and times in my life. And, and it was interesting. Now, the story you used is of Steph Curry, who's injured this yeah. year right now, but he's for the Golden State Warriors. And you referred to him sort of like his, his MVP year. And uh, here's what's interesting about that. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves had an opportunity to draft Steph Curry. Not mm. once, but twice in wow. the same – we passed on him two times. And here's, here's my, my athletic background, coaching background, coming back into that. His dad was a longtime NBA player by the name of Del Curry. And mm -hmm. Del Curry was a great outside shooter long before the era of the three-point shot. So if you're like of a, a GM of even half your um, salt, I mean, you know that where he comes from. If you just want to look at genetics and DNA, his right. dad is one of the greatest shooters of all time. What I think is important to take away from your story about Steph Curry is he had that coming into the league. What he has chosen to do is to work and apply himself and become an even greater player than his father ever was. Absolutely. It sort of reminds me of like Kobe Bryant. And uh, I was, you know, the day before he passed, I was actually watching this really cool interview with him. And um, he was talking about how in fifth grade, he actually didn't make a shot. Uh, and then, you know, his dad actually said, um, I love you regardless of if you make a shot or not, you know, and so that oh. gave him, I know, isn't that amazing? And um, that actually gave him the fuel to get better, right? I mean, and then by the seventh grade year, he was the best in the state. I think Curry is very similar that, you know, they, both of their dads played in the NBA, but it was like what you do with it that really matters. And I think what's interesting about Steph Curry is there were so many people who said that, you know, he wasn't going to be um, anything and that, you know, people shouldn't draft him that, you know, for example, that his, um, you know, only average athleticism, his size, and that, you know, he wasn't a really a true point, true point guard. Um, because he shot too much on the outside. And then you think about how he helped shape the NBA, and now <laughs> everybody's shooting on the outside, you know? So um, I like that just uh, that when I think about the topic today, why he inspired me, why I chose the story is because he became an MVP. And today's topic really isn't about like you being better than anybody else. Like sometimes we think about being the most valuable player on our team, and it's not about being you know, better than Tim or being better than Syndra, but it's really about, can I be my best? And that takes a lot of grit. That takes a lot of commitment. That takes a lot of like just saying no to things so you can say yes to really what you want. 
Well, you got me thinking about this literally in it, from a sports perspective. And then from, I tried to think about my, my life and, and work perspective. Think about a time when you were at your MVP level. Yeah. And, um, and then you, you know, we talk about, well, think about what were the differences in the thoughts and feelings about a time when you were not at your best. And mm-hmm. I had the, the, the weird thing of, we had traveling football in White Bear Lake, and you, as long as you made a weight limitation, you played it in seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, and you were all mixed in together. So as a seventh grader, you're trying to compete with ninth graders and for boys, and I was not, you know, uh, I'm still not today. I'm not a big person, you know, back then. So I wasn't getting on the field until it was late in the games, and practices were brutal. I mean, it was just this a different day and age in football, and you really had to want to be there. But I kept yeah. thinking, well, by the time I get in ninth grade, it's going to be my turn. You know, I'm going to be the guy who gets to do all the fun stuff. Yeah, and so I sure. think I just, I just showed up in ninth grade with this expectation that that's what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And it was. And, and so I had this, I played this really fun position where I got to carry the ball a lot, catch the ball a lot, played on defense, special teams. It was just a blast. And then I got to the high school level as a sophomore and um, they uh, changed my position. Uh, I was not given the choice of what I really wanted to play. They moved me outside and I wasn't mature enough and they didn't present it in a way like it was a good thing for me. Um, sure. So I, I fought it. And as such, the whole year for me was injuries, lack of confidence, miserable experience yeah. to where I seriously yeah. had to, to say to myself and I had people literally telling me I should give up football. And I'm like, do I really want to give up football or do I want to play? And I just yeah. came back my junior year when showed everybody I want to play. And it was, nice. then I had another great year again, but it came down to me. I had to make right. that decision. And now yeah. I start thinking about coaching and how coaching impacts you and, and expectations impact you. I wasn't handled well, and I don't think I was mature enough to understand what I was going through at that time. Yeah. I, I applied today's exercise to, uh, for sure, to my sporting background, um, but also to my professional you know, like I do in a profession or as a profession. And I think like as people are listening, there's a lot of different ways they can apply it. What's really interesting, Tim, is there's some research about what are the characteristics of people when they are at their best. And like what you just said, high self-confidence is really key. I think positive self-talk, um, energized, but not anxious, um, not too anxious. They're optimistic. They can bounce back from mistakes. They're adaptively perfectionistic, means they have really high standards, but they're flexible. And, um, and they stay in the present moment. So in the book, I talk about a list of like 20. Um, and, uh, you know, what's interesting is whenever I work with um, an elite athlete or a high school athlete or a business executive, I always talk in the first session about, tell me about a, about a time you're at your best. And tell me about a time you weren't, you know, and these trends are always consistent, right? They're talking about topics like, oh, I was really motivated. I was really optimistic. I was really confident. I was really positive with myself, right? So um, it's going to be fun to hear what people learn about themselves as they're going through this exercise. Yeah, and we'd love to hear from you. If, if you do go through this exercise, and as, as Cindra was referring to, if you're looking at the book, it's, it's pages 112 and 113. Um, she runs through this long list of, of uh, self-identified characteristics that led people to be at their best performance. And um, I, so I think what it comes down to, what the, the, the core of your book comes down to is really 
you're trying to recreate whatever it was that led you to be at your best. And how can you get yourself out of a bad situation and back into a good situation? Um, if that's athletics or if it's work or if it's just life, how can you get yourself back to getting into that MVP level at a time mm-hmm. when maybe all the factors are combining up to try to stop you from doing that? And I think it's also like before even you start, how can you get there? You know, how can you get this in this emotional state that um, leads to you being a peak performer? And so I think about how that relates to me. And I think about, well, what am I thinking about in the morning? How am I priming myself? What's my, um, what's my, um, my morning routine, right? Before you perform, what's your pre-performance routine that's going to help you get your best? And what the best do, like, how did Steph Curry become the MVP? It's like game after game after game after game. He's at his best. Practice after practice after practice. He knows himself a lot. He's really had self-awareness to be able to understand what his best looks like, which is, the practice for today, you know, that this falls under is, is know yourself to master yourself. Right. The fourth practice, know yourself to master yourself. And I think too, when you go back to that season that Steph Curry had that MVP season, what became a kind of a national sort of phenomenon mm-hmm. um, was fans getting to the games early hours early, just so they could watch him go through his pregame routine. Exactly. And it was elaborate, but you, you realize that he had developed this whole thing that he wanted to go through so he could recreate the circumstances that were producing the outcomes that they were. And I think that, again, he heads into the game with an expectation that, okay, I did all that stuff. I'm about to go out there, and I'm going to go out there and do it again. And, and he would, and he does. Yeah, and I think it's about like you know doing these things to help you prepare to be at your best. But you know how some people have, um, you know, they believe that if their socks are this way, or if they in this many glasses of water, drinking this many, you know, whatever, they had to have a banana. You know, we want to make sure that it's not um, so restrictive. But there's definitely like things that you can do to get in your best emotional state. Yeah, and then I always say to people like too. Well, what if your socks aren't there? Or what if you don't get right. a banana? Then, then exactly. what? Exactly. Right. And then you're letting this external event, like, a, you know, impact how you perform when really it's just you. It's your mindset. Where is your body? Where is your mind? That's going to help you, you know, best predict if you're going to be your best that day. Well, you have in the book, you, you ask people, um, and, you, and you touched on this, but I'll just read it out. Think about a time when you were at your MVP level, but thoughts, feelings, and actions led you to be at your best. And then you ask uh, the, the reader to list uh, their answers. Then you say, next, think about a time when you were not at your best and when you performed poorly. What thoughts, feelings, and actions led to this performance? What did your body feel and look like? Were there any distractions present? And list your answers. And then the key part of your exercise Finally, compare and contrast your lists. What led you being at your best? What did not? What are the biggest differences between the lists? And, and you have said to me uh, and us over the last couple episodes, you know, you can't take a day off when training your brain. And this is a real opportunity for people to, to learn because if you can take that, you just said, man, I just had a great game. If you just go that extra step and take and write down what you're thinking and feeling and what really led to it, and, and log that down and keep comparing those notes with your, your progress as you go along, you're going to be able to create that process. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is one of the most enjoyable things that I get to talk to people about. And it's really fun to hear their answers. Um, everybody's been at a time where you haven't been at your best, right? And typically, 
the distractions are things maybe that you can't control. Or I think about for me, Tim, when I get in my own head, this is me as an athlete, you know, when I kind of question if I'm ready. Um, or even when I'm speaking in front of an audience, right? If I get in my own head where I think, well, what does farmers need to know about mindset? <laughs> um, uh, that didn't happen to me a couple weeks ago when I was speaking to farmers, but sometimes, you know, I might get in my own head where, you know, um, that's, that's my trigger. And so I have to have some skills and strategies to be able to deal with that. When I know what my best looks like, then I know how to intervene with myself when I'm off track. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's such great stuff. You know, I, I had a, um, a daughter interview for a job uh, this past week, and, and she was talking about, kind of pre-talk about how she was going to think and feel. And, and right away, I started saying, well, no, I mean, you know, think of it this way, you know. And then I, 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 and I texted her with those thoughts again before she went into the interview to try nice. to make sure that she would be in the proper, you know, frame of mind. So right. it's great stuff, whether we're talking yeah, about athletics so or, or life. And you then get into the next part of the book, and there's like multiple yep. exercises in this. This is a busy chapter. It um, really is. It is. There's it's a lot important. to do here. Yeah. It is. It, well, mm -hmm. all of it is. But I mean, this is where they get to do a lot of things, which I think this is kind of fun. And your next part of the, the, the chapter that you talk about is the ISOF, the Individualized Zone of Optimal Functioning. And there's an exercise that comes along with this, too. So this is a theme we talk a lot about in performance psychology by Yuri Han. And, and basically what uh, what I find super helpful about this is like it's not a comp it's not like one emotion that's going to help you be your best it's not like confidence or motivation or authenticity or uh being pumped or excited is going to help you it's like these combination of emotions and um what I love about this exercise is for again first at first think about you at your best think about you not at your best you might even have a conversation with um, a partner or somebody at work or your, your, you know, your coach or a teammate about that so you can really get clear on what that looks like and what that feels like. And then I have um, several different emotions uh, listed in the chapter for you to think about, okay, which five of these do you think lead to you being at your MVP and which five do not? And what's really interesting, Tim, is like some positive emotions could actually not help us. So it's not about positive or negative emotions or empowering or disempowering emotions. Like sometimes people might say, I perform my best when I'm really intense or and that might be considered a negative emotion, right? Or I'm not really at my best when I'm content. Um, or if I'm too aggressive, that, that I'm not at my best. Like I press, I push too hard. And so uh, what's really interesting is nobody's profile is the same. And so if you did it, Tim, it'd be different than I, if I did it. And even if we're, like on, on, in a sport team, if we're like the same for the quarterback, right? All quarterbacks don't have the same eyes off profile. Um, and so it does differ a little bit by position. Like I think on a football team, if you're a, a corner, maybe you need to be a little bit more aggressive than if you're a quarterback, right? So it does differ by position, um, but it also depends on what we're doing. And no one person is the same, which I think is super cool. And by learning more about how you are at your best, it helps you like replicate that. Yeah, you know, I, it got me thinking back again to, to my coaching experience. And one of the things I used to say to the, the running backs that I would coach is I would say, run angry. 
you know, run angry. Because when you're angry, you're not really nervous. You know, the, and yeah. you can't really afford to be tentative when you run. Because right. guess what? There's 11 people coming to get you. And if you hesitate, yeah. you're giving them an opportunity and they're not static. I mean, they're static. They're not, they're not standing still. They're coming at you. So if you even hesitate a little bit, you're giving people the opportunity to close ground. So I would say you've got to run angry. If you're t- timid or tepid out there, it's going to show in a, in a, in a bad way. So that she, but I wouldn't tell somebody necessarily in golf or baseball necessarily to no. play angry. Right. Yeah, man. If Yeah, because then they get way too tight and tense. <laughs> you know, so it does really differ. And I think what's interesting is like as a coach, if you're listening and uh, I think just try it out with your athlete, right? In terms of if you say run angry and it really helps them, well, then maybe anger is really helpful for them. Not every athlete is the same. So, you know, maybe a second running back might not want to be angry. Um, But the key to figure that out is ask them these questions. Um, Sometimes when I'm working individually with somebody, I might say, tell me two or three times where you were at your best. So we can really figure out like what this emotional profile is. And uh, it's fun. It's one of my, my favorite things to do because, and then sometimes we even choose, like after we do that exercise, we choose one or two words to kind of trigger it. Like if you could name your MVP, what would it be? Um, um, but yeah, this time I feel like I, I think I know what it's going to be, but I'll, yeah. I'll let you do it. You'll let me do it? Okay. Okay. Of course. Of course. Oh, okay. What is our homework yeah. for this week? Oh, what's the homework for this week? Um, So the homework for this week is for you to actually do this exercise, for you to share uh, uh, with somebody, talk through it, or you could write it down, but just um, share a a great time you performed at your best, again, in any profession, any sport in life, and then a time that you didn't perform at your best. Um, And you could use this exercise to really figure out what is your emotional profile. So write down at least five emotions that help your performance and five emotions that don't. See, you know, I'll tell people something. When we finish these episodes, Cinder always tells me how good I am at this before I can tell her how good she is at this. And I was really bad at this today because I was trying to lead you into even the last page because you have one more exercise that I cut you off. And I think you thought I was trying to you know, say you should do the, the eyes off model because you have one more exercise and that's finding your MVP profile. Yes. Yeah. And that's really. And, and I don't, I don't want to cheat anybody out of that because I thought this was fantastic too. Yeah. What did you like about it? Because that's where you like, right, you know, you think about these at least five emotions that help you and five emotions that don't. And then one thing that you could do after this, Tim, is you could, you could even name it, right? So you could say, okay, my emotional profile or my MVP means like I'm unstoppable, right? That's the most important word. So you can kind of get there. But what did you like about um, the grid that I gave people in terms of... Because- because you're giving, you're giving us uh, of, uh, words that, that we don't have to search for them. They're right there in front of us. And you can yeah. say, oh, yes, um, fearless or uh, focused or optimistic or perhaps even you know, wired aching is in there. And I was like, that's an interesting word. Kind, pleased, uh, flexible. You know, so you're, you're, you're giving, I think, people a lot of options. What you asked them to do is, circle five emotions from the list that lead to your MVP level and put a box around five emotions from the list that hinder your performance. This is on page 115. I'm not sure where it might be in the workbook, but that's 115 of the book. But again, it's another really interesting tool. And, and I just didn't want to end this 
episode and not have discussed that. And I thought, oh, no, I've, I've let her down the road uh, or something before we even talked about that. So that's not me performing at my best. <laughs> I think I had already incorporated it into our conversation without letting you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we have to uh, talk about um, our gritty person of the week. Yeah. You know where? You want to start? I'm going to start with something related to the Super Bowl. And uh, I loved watching it. It's so fun. You know, um, I loved Patrick Mahomes and his interview at the end. He's just like having so much fun. But the gritty person that I want to talk about is Andy Reid, the head coach of the Chiefs. And I think what's why I want to consider him as the gritty person of the week this week is, you know, he was a head coach at the Eagles from 1999 to 2012. Um, and then he moved to the Chiefs, and he's been coaching for so long in the NFL since 1992, and this is his first Super Bowl. Um, and sometimes, you know, when you think about getting to the highest level, it can be, uh, I think especially in the NFL where everyone has same, similar resources, everyone has opportunities to draft the same people, you know, in general, but I think it's like these small things these small differences that really make a big difference in that league and uh for you to stick with it uh and to continue to to work at it I think he's also an incredible coach in, in terms of a transformational coach that really keeps relationships front and center and you could just tell that by the way that his team got behind him and the way that uh his athletes talked about him and I think uh Tim you know, uh, that's so important in coaching is to keep relationships front and center as a leader. And as I talk to more and more coaches and inter interview some of the best, I can see that the best are really about relationships. So um, he's my gritty person of the week because he's, he, because really of this idea of keeping the relationships front and center as a leader. Well, if I could just touch on, on that, and it's not, that's not my person, but I just want to just add to what you said about that. Yeah. You also have to look at his coaching tree, the number yeah. of people who have coached for him who have gone on to yeah. become head coaches themselves. And, and, yeah. and, and all of them speak of him in such glowing terms. And you're right. He seems to be one of those guys that every year when they would get eliminated, whether it was the Eagles or the Chiefs, you'd think, oh, man, I wish Andy Reid would just get one. And yeah. uh, I thought it was interesting then again, too, when he was at the celebration, he said, we'll see you right back here next year because we're going to do this again. Yeah. And, and I thought, okay, there's there, that was kind of surprising to me that he would do that. But then there may be some method to his madness because right now you're setting the expectation yeah, for your for players, sure. you yeah. know, what it's going to be. Yesterday, so my, I even, my, yeah. Yesterday I was even speaking to like an executive. I was doing a coaching client. Uh, he's one of my coaching clients and I was having a conversation with him and he was talking about, Andy Reid is just a role model for him in terms of his leadership. And he's a bank president, right? So I think what's cool is like we learn, we see these other leaders in sport and we can apply them to our, our lives and, and what we see in them. So cool. what were you going to say, Tim? Yeah, no, I was going to say, so, so for my, my gritty person of the week is a person who um, has not displayed his grit. He's on a, he's on a, a very uh, public platform. And is sort of a mystery. And his name is Andrew Wiggins, and he was a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves for the past X number of years, and was brought here uh, on a trade by the late Flip Saunders because he's like, 
you know, I, he'd been great at Kansas and sort of a mystery of being the number one overall selection in the NBA draft. And he's like, well, we got this talent now. I'm going to bring out the best in him. And then, of course, flip pass. And then Ryan Saunders uh, t- took over after an interim coach and made project number one, Andrew Wiggins. And while we saw more from Wiggins in terms of scoring, we still didn't see the involvement in the offense. We didn't see the effort on defense. He just seems to float. And it's an interesting thing because now he has been traded where, Syndra? Golden State. Golden State where he will be Warriors. a teammate I of. Know. He'll be a teammate of Steph Curry. So it will be interesting to see how he performs and how he behaves now that he is being incorporated into this franchise where the expectations are so high and yeah. uh, right now everyone's hurt but once they get back um, how will he fit in and will he uh, discover his grit that remains yeah. to be seen we might be revisiting him in a couple of weeks <laughs> or a couple of months see how he's doing yes uh, high performance power phrase I work to reach my MVP level consistency consistently there we go and understand what leads to me being at my best. I think, feel, and act like an MVP. This power phrase really is a power phrase. I mean, I think this is one of those ones that I think we can all identify with the phrase, uh, the term MVP. And I think that uh, this, this is one that'll give you a little swagger, I think. I like the I think, feel, and act like an MVP, right? And remember, yeah. that's not about being better than anybody else. It's about being your best as often as you can every day. Yeah, and they, they, I, saw, I saw a video of, of uh, Patrick Mahomes going into a concert, and, and the place just goes crazy. Like, you, you see those videos of people in the Beatles would show up someplace, and he just starts dancing, you know what I mean, just, to, just around, yeah. and you can just tell he's living his best life. He's certainly looking, thinking, and obviously feeling like an MVP. Woo, I just got goosebumps. <laughs> All right. Well, we want to thank you for joining us to be on Grit Podcast. What it seeks to do is to help you reach your peak potential. We'd love it if you check out this and the other great content on the National Sports Center blog page, which is Beyond the Bench, where you can leave us your questions and comments, and we would love to hear from you about what makes you feel, think, and, and act like an MVP. You can also find the Beyond Grit Podcast on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts, where we encourage you to rate and review us so we can reach and help empower more people with Dr. Camp Austin's brilliant content. Um, I'm Tim McNiff, and we're going to be sent out by the one and only Dr. Cindy Campos. Have an outstanding week, my friends. Stay gritty. Thank you for engaging with the Beyond Grit podcast, where we help you reach your peak potential. You can find past episodes and other great content on the NSE blog page, Beyond the Bench, where you can also post your questions and comments. The Beyond Grit podcast is a production of the National Sports Center and Beyond the Bench.